I felt a wall of cold air, and as it swept through me, I stopped at the foot of the stairs, resting my hand on the wide curve of the banister. I could smell the sweet oiliness of the wood Dada had shined up so carefully, the sad, muffled female voices of my mother and her sisters from a bedroom upstairs suddenly fell away. And then, I heard her. Genevieve. Nanny? I whispered, holding my breath tightly in my chest. I turned to face the old hall tree leaning against the wall with its dull brass hook sticking out, waiting for a hat or a scarf, its oval mirror in the center, cloudy and dotted with age. Where was she? The air became heavy and wrapped around me like a soft blanket, and all I could hear was a whooshing, buzzing sound in my ears. I felt lightheaded. I leaned close to the mirror and touched the tiny curly cue carvings in the wood. I studied the image and saw an almost 10-year-old girl with squinty blue eyes and dark curly hair, and even though I knew it was me in the mirror, I felt like something strange was happening to me, and that I should look different. I touched the mirror with the palms of my hands, then brought them to my face. I could feel Nanny with me. I couldn't see her, but I had heard her call my name. Yet, it was still just me there in the mirror. Slamming car doors told me they were finally leaving. I went outside and down the porch steps that led to the circular driveway. I sat on the last step at the foot of the huge grouchy oak tree that guarded the house. Its thick, twisted roots, famous for trying to trip almost everyone who walked by, climbed angrily out of the ground, and I dug my bare toes underneath them. The crunching of gravel grew faint in the distance, the funeral people leaving their dingy clouds of dust and their whispers about Nanny in the air behind them. They found her body tangled up in the oyster bed at low tide. I heard there was nothing left of her face, and if it wasn't for the bright yellow blouse she'd been wearing. I closed my eyes and shook their voices out of my head. You don't come to somebody's house, to her house, and say things like that. You don't ever say things like that. I felt sick to my stomach and ran across the yard to the smokehouse. I shut the door and slammed the latch down. Long ribbons of light fought their way through the cracks in the walls. I bent over, wrapping my arms around my waist. I clamped one hand tightly over my mouth, muffling sounds I'd never made before, sounds that didn't belong to me. I closed my eyes and cried quietly. From my nanny, for my mother, for me. My heart pounded like a thunderstorm exploding in my chest, and I thought I might die right there at that moment. I walked around in tight little circles in the middle of the dark smokehouse. Her crab nets and fishing rods hung on the wall, but the lucky rod with the little silver feather was missing. As I slid down the side of the bait freezer to the dirt floor, I tried to breathe slowly and deeply. One time, I asked Nanny why she didn't fish from the small green boat that always hung underneath the wharf. 
Is it because of those bumpy things growing all over the bottom? Or does it have a hole in it? I asked. No, Nanny said. The truthful story is I don't take much to being in the water itself. But that doesn't stop me from fishing and crabbing. I'm damn good at it. And it's fun work. Even though she was a little bit afraid, she loved the river almost as much as she loved people, she would say. I knew what she meant. That was just how it was with Nanny and me. We could tell each other things that didn't make much sense to other people, but we understood it. As I sat there in the smokehouse, rocking back and forth, I wondered, how was it that I had heard her call my name so clearly in the hallway? And then the grimy light bulb by the door flickered twice.